how did we get off? Like, how did this happen? Are you talking about a male or female? Oh, what? Does it matter? Somebody did say to me once, though, you're just like a demon, we just can't call you one. <laughs> <laughs> Does it feel like we're just, like, stretching? To, like, like, looking for loopholes, in a sense. You get demoted, you work your way back up. <laughs> What do you get demoted to? It's Janitor? To a <laughs> you're, a greeting, you're on the grading team. <laughs> Welcome uh, back to Pewology. This is our show, Loopholes. And we've been talking through the law grace issues that come up in Romans. Because as a church body, we've been kind of working through the book of Romans. And we're in chapter 8. And once you get to chapter 8, you can't help but start to talk about the issue of predestination and election and all that fun stuff. And so let's spend a few moments, and we're going to ease into it this way, right? So I'm going to ask you some tough questions, and you guys bat them around. Ready? So if I said to you, is faith a action or a gift, what would you say? Gift. Oh, <laughs> that's really oh. tough. I don't know. <laughs> Action or gift? Gosh. Come back to me. Let me keep thinking. <laughs> Let me think, keep Tony? thinking. <laughs> action? I have to go towards action. Okay. I feel like it's an action. I feel okay. like it's an action. Yeah. Okay. I'm not sure. I mean, it's grace that's the gift, right? Yeah. No, I don't know. I mean, if you're if you're if you're trying to bring up Ephesians chapter two verse eight nine, then I mean, you have to. I mean, faith <laughs> faith is an action. It's got to be. It, it actually it? specifically says there the face of gift, but whatever, it's cool. It does it really well. I mean, you are saved by by faith through grace. Through grace, this is a gift, not of yourself. Mm. <laughs> All right. I was. All right, so. <laughs> you got me. I'd like you to change me. my answer. <laughs> yeah. I'd like right, to change right. my answer. Okay, so let me ask you another question. So what do you think right now, leave out all the history of theology, just what do you think right now, what do you think preceded your faith? Did anything precede your faith? Surrender. What, com- what comes before your faith? Surrender? I don't know. Okay. You think surrender preceded faith? It had to. There was no room for anything else because it's so <laughs> messed up. But surrender is like you conforming your life. Okay. I feel like it's an understanding. Oh. Understanding came before faith? Okay. Really? Before Which would make faith? sense because think about this. Uh, the, like the idea, like the, the understanding that surrounds. Right. Okay. Because faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word. Right. Gotcha. Got Isn't it. Isn't it different for everybody then? Uh, I don't think, I don't know. Just asking. Hmm. Good question. But what do you think? Like, did what do you think God did prior to you believing in him? Did he do anything in you? So for instance, let, let's take, take uh, John chapter 6, what is it, 44, where Jesus says, um, no one comes to the fa- no one comes to me unless the father draws them. What do you think that means? That they were called by by God. That he's looking for you even when you're not looking for him. You agree? Absolutely. You agree? Yes. You agree? Yeah. <laughs> 
she's taking like <laughs> I don't know. I, I mean, I I don't know if I understand the question. You're 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 saying so if if Jesus says no one comes to me unless the Father first draws them. <laughs> Mike, you always get us in this. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, it's tricky. Like, <laughs> what yeah. do you think? I, I believe he called me like, and for for like years before I started coming to church, okay. I had uh, this lady that works with me named Victoria. And she's like, you need to go to church. And I used to do the like, God, terrible things. And she would just be like, I'm praying twice a day for you now, Juan. You know, or like, I remember Yasmin's cousin, like, would talk to me about it. And I'm like, yeah, okay. And I used to use like the most cynical arguments. I would be like, oh, but God says not to kill, right? Like, but people kill and it's cool. So, I, but through all my life, I always saw like people interceding and trying to be like, hey, no, go ahead. You know, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? So I just always see that as God calling me in some way, shape or form. Even when I came to church, it was because a friend of mine told me right after we went drinking and dancing, like, you should go to church. I'm like, okay. You know, and I've never, I never stopped going since. After a good night of drinking and dancing. <laughs> <laughs> so good. All right. So, so Juan says, I, I sense like, like a reality in my life where I, where I felt God calling me. You know what I'm saying? But so we, we would call this in theological circles, we'd call this. Otis salutis, right? Which is the Latin phrase for the order of salvation. So that would be the, th- like you go, you're taking systematic 101 and you're talking about the order of salvation. Now, most the- theologians would say the order of salvation is something we make up. It's not like a biblical thing. It's not like a God thing. It's something that we do because we live in linear time and we need to order the steps to help us logically kind of wrap our brains around it, Right. So most of this is an exercise more in our thinking than it is an exercise in reality to some extent. But the first question is super important, which is how does this all start? Because that really defines your theology. Because if it starts out of your volition and not first out of God's, it really changes everything. Do you understand? So if you've always thought about your faith as like one day you decided that you were going to seek God and you hadn't reflected on the fact that the word specifically says that we are predestined, forenoon, called, and that Jesus specifically says, no one comes to me unless the Father draws them, that there's something going on before the day we ever think that we're seeking him. Does that make sense? Right. And the real question is, what's going on there? What's happening in that Otis Salutis at the the origin. I should have just. Uh, <laughs> like, I, I should have never. Been. I went home. <laughs> what did I do? Why am I here? Does that make sense, though? And do you understand the? Problem? So, basically, what you're trying to say is that we've been chosen, or not. Uh, well, I think that a, a lot of theology deals with that question. I I, I would say. Have you noticed in the scripture that the that there's a tremendous amount of the wording that surrounds that concept, like the idea? Like tonight we looked at Romans chapter 8, and once you get to like, you know, 24, 25, 26, he starts saying, you know, that he foreknew us, those he foreknew he predestined, 
That those he foreknew, he called. Those he called, he predestined. Those he predestined, he justified. Those he justified, he glorified. Right? That it appears, at least in the mind of Paul, that God is the initiator and the finisher. Right. What do you think? That's pretty tough. Yeah. So what you're saying is that if I decide to go to church, it's because I've already been predestined to seek God's word and the lifestyle? Or could it be that I'm going to church, but what if I'm not chosen? Oh, I think there's a lot of people that go to church that aren't chosen. I'm not saying that. Just I mean, don't so. you think there's a lot? I mean, that, that, that's what we talked. I didn't have time to answer all those questions tonight, but that's yeah. that we, we brought that up tonight. Think about it. There's a lot. There's a number of places in the scripture where that's exactly what happens. We get to judgment day and Jesus is creating this picture and he's like, you know. I didn't know you. I didn't know you. You hung out around the Christians all the time. <laughs> you were hanging out with my people, but I didn't know you. Right. Even even though they proclaimed his name, even though they they've surrendered their life, or, or I want to I want to create that little distinction. That's a great that's a great question. What do you guys think about that? I think um, when I listen to a passage like that, like you say, you know me as. A lot of people say that they believe in, in Christ, but they don't really rest in what he already did. They're still trying to put their efforts into it. And I think that's what, we, what he means by it. That's not truly believing. If at any point you feel like anything that you're doing is is contributing to you being saved, then I think that that's where, what he's talking about. Okay. What do you think? I think, I think uh, with that passage, where they're, they're like standing before God and they're like, hey, we, we did all this in your name. Right. You know, I think it's more than like, you didn't do anything. We did it. Like, this is like, we did this for you. And real Christians, they'd be like, Hey, you did it all. Yeah. We did like, when you're facing before God, you don't go focus on me. You don't focus on yourself. You're like, I'm standing before the creator of the universe. Oh my God. Yeah. You know? Uh, so for that passage, I'm like, those people are not real Christians because they were doing it for their own vain glory. I brought up the issue tonight. Like, think about it, Tony. I brought up the issue tonight. I've, I've done this a number of times, which I don't like picking on any one group, but it's just the easy, it's the low-hanging fruit, and I apologize to all our listeners who are coming out of whatever they're in. But I just said, look, you know, I've got a lot of, I got a lot of friends that are Mormons, which I believe is a workspace system, and they're extremely moral people, good people. Some of them are a lot better than me. Let's just face it, right? But that's not the defining that's not Paul's defining feature of a believer, right? Paul's saying if you are in Christ, if the spirit dwells in you, right? And that comes through the finished work of Christ, not through your work, right? Right. That your I work mean, is a result, not as, not as the mark. Yep. John 19, 28 to 30 says, at the end, he says, it is finished. He didn't say it is finished. Now, you know, come and do a little bit so that his work is done. His redemptive work in us is done. We just have to accept him and now... And in that acceptance, walking in the spirit, you you know you you can, you know then, fruits come. But this, it has nothing to do with you. His repentive work is already done. He doesn't say it is so finished. The question here yourself. is, what are we? <laughs> well, I think are we part of the whole salvation process, or are we not? Is that what we're trying to find out? Well, I think uh, I think what I'm starting with is we, what we alluded to tonight is where does the process begin? What starts the process? That's the Otis Salutis, right? What starts the process of salvation? 
So most like pop culture Christianity would say, well, um, uh, like we would think about faith as a choice and confession as a response. And we'd say, well, faith and confession. But when you start to look back at the reformed world and the, and you start to look back at the reformers, you, you Luther, and you start to look back at these guys who launched what, what is now what we all share, which is the connection through Protestant evangelical Christianity. These guys were saying something very different. They were saying, no, 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 no. What launches this is God, that he's the beginner, he's the finisher, and that it's hard to get around like Paul's statements in like Ephesians chapter one, where he says, you know, you were predestined before the foundations of the earth, right? You predestined before the foundations of the earth, before the earth was ever created. This wasn't a backup plan. Like he didn't create the earth and then people said, he was like, oh crap, <laughs> shoot, what are we going to do now? Like before this was ever met, there was a contract, there was a, there was a, an agreement, there was a, an understanding of, amongst the Trinity that was like, this is what's about to happen, right? I don't know how all that works, but that's the deal. So have you ever thought about that? I think is the question. And I think how does that change your perspective on like your own response? So in, in Psalms, I believe, I, I don't know exactly which chapter, but it says that he knew us before we were even born. Yeah. So that tells me that he knew who I was and where I was going to, where I'm going to end up. Yeah. Yeah. Now, am I a part of any decision making there? I, <laughs> that's tough. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think? That's what we brought up tonight. The decision thing. Well, I mean, will thing is do you actually choose to follow him? I mean, is that, are you saying there's no choice to follow him? You just, God's like, all right, you're the one, you know, no, I think, well, what do you think? What do you think? That's, that, that's what bugs me. Is that, deep. That's is, hard. Is it's deep. like, I'm like, that's... you know, I, I feel like I came to a point in my life where I was like, I don't need anything else but God. Like, it, you know, the evidence is clear. I, I can't do anything on my own. I suck. <laughs> you know, I need God. And I don't know if, it, if it's him like, I don't know, like showing up and being like, Yeah. I don't know. Like it's it's weird to me. And that's I feel like I did have a choice to follow him. Yeah. I don't know because it's a double-edged sword. It's like in one point you're like, oh, I, I was chosen, but then you know, uh, the ones that weren't, by no choice of their own, they just weren't chosen. So it's tricky. So let's let's go slow and let's think through. So let's start out with okay. So let's start out with Juan's complaint and let's move towards the free will complaint. Okay. Like an observation more than a complaint. Okay, so let's start out with Juan's <laughs> observation. So Juan's observation with election and the concept of predestination is: Hey, wait a minute. That would mean that you've got a God who is selecting some and not others, and so that immediately leads us to the the logical next step which is that's not fair that's not fair yeah. which is where everybody goes right but let's think it through for a moment is it not fair is it not fair i mean it's not like he had to do this whole jesus thing coming to yeah. earth and oh, like you were saying earlier you know i agree with it like i i just i'm at full surrender like i don't I no because I, I that used to drive me crazy like from you know like just thinking I'm like well what if somebody doesn't know and and all these things it used to really like drive me back and forth to the point that I just had to surrender and like I'm not I'm not I don't understand this 
Like I'm probably not going to know in this side of heaven, you know, and, but the, what I did realize was that I was questioning God's choices at that moment. <clears throat> like, why would you choose me and not somebody else? And who am I to question him? So think about it for a moment. Think about the fairness question, right? If the whole world is bad, is sinful, everybody's sin, and, and God's justice demands that everybody deserves to be punished for their sin. And if God chooses to save some or one or none, isn't it, how is that not fair? Fair would be we all go to hell. That's fair, right? right? Yeah. I mean, if we've broken God's natural law, his nature, his commands, then fair is everybody goes to hell. Anything else, we leave the realm of fair. Mm -hmm. And we start to have a different discussion. Now, we typically apply fair in because we're thinking about it from a human aspect. We're good. Yeah. yeah we think about ourselves as good. So, so immediately we say, well, what about those innocent people living on that island that's never heard about you? Nobody exactly. does it, God <laughs> says. Everybody deserves to go to hell, right? So everybody's in the same boat. They're, we live in this broken world. It's infested with all this brokenness. It's trickled down into the, the, the biological systems of all of us, and we deserve hell. And then all of a sudden, Paul shows up, and he's like, yeah, but God has chosen in his sovereignty – to save some. So could we use the example of Noah and the ark? I think that's a reasonable example. Because for how many years did he preach that the rain was coming? Right. And he started building the ark. Right. And nobody believed him. Right. The only ones that believed were the ones that were chosen once that door closed. Yeah. Those were the chosen ones. He saved eight. Right. That was God speaking. That was the Lord. That was the Lord saying you were right. <laughs> <laughs> what the heck was that? Here's that game, man. So good. So I would say then right now, the ark is being built. God's word is being preached. Okay. And it's us who choose to jump on. Well, you just said you we choose. Well, there has to be a choice. That's well. That's the part. That's that's a little complicated. So that would be that would. So think about it. That would be. I'm gonna be fair. So that would be the like that would be a typical Arminian thing, right? Right. So the Arminians would go, well, God has offered grace to everyone, which has allowed everyone to choose. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yes. Are you with me? But. Pretty sure that's a phone, but uh, sure. But think about this: what what the reformers were saying, and what Paul's saying here is that would mean that God died, that Jesus died for sin in general, right? And that sin is just in general, in theory, paid for, and you can accept His grace because He's generally died for sin. But what we see from the Scripture is He's died for our sin. Yours and mine, before the foundations of the earth, we've been chosen. It's specific, right? So the sin was in mind, my sin and your sin were in mind on the cross. That's the idea of the, of the New Testament writer. So it's a little bit different. Right, and if we go to John 3, 16, mm -hmm. where God so loved the world yeah. that he gave his only son, right? Yeah. So that whoever believes in him will not perish. Now wait, don't you choose to believe? That whoever believes in him. Isn't belief a choice? Well, that's what I'm asking. Is is that's what my first question, right? Is right. faith a choice or is faith a gift? 
So it's true. No, but it says it's a faith, or it <laughs> says it's a gift. Because think it, about this. It bugs me though. You know, what think saying? about what Paul would say, right? He's like, "Well, dead people don't make choices, right? You're dead. So in order for you to make the choice, Paul's saying you have to be quickened. You have to be brought to life. You have to be, you have to be regenerated right. to make the choice." It may be a choice in our minds and in our time, but Mm -hmm. think about it. If we're all broken in our own sin, the only choice we'll make is for the flesh. And so our freedom is an illusion because we think we have freedom, but we always choose the same thing. Nobody chooses God. They all choose sin. Only by the intervention of the presence of God, him coming for us, does anybody choose. That's why Jesus says, no one comes to the Father unless I first draw, unless no one comes to me unless he's first drawn by the Father. Nobody comes, nobody comes aware. Nobody comes to choose. Nobody comes to the place of choice without being drawn by the Father. What do you think? Strong. So it's a, it's, it's a toss in between Arminian and Calvin. Yeah. These kind of general big picture things. I just think the interesting part for me is that this question about Otis Salutis and this question about faith as a gift or faith as a choice, it really does, It really is going to launch. It's going to affect so many things down the road. It's kind of like um, it's kind of like doing tile. We're in Florida, so like everybody has tile in their home. You know what I'm saying? And you lay tile, you start laying tile. If you're not a tile layer and you start laying tile without those little tabs to put in there to keep the line straight, yeah. all of a sudden, what is microscopic on the first two tiles, like 10 tiles down, it's like a disaster. I had a friend lay some tile on my like porch one day and it was disaster. Disa- it was like, it was like a blind person had laid it. It was like, horrible. <laughs> Stevie Wonder laid yeah, tiles. I was like, what in the world happened here? It was a disaster, right? And it started off, it looks so good. Like if you just hold, like you hold your hand up over the other tiles and you just look at the first two, you're like, okay, this looks straight. And then by the end, it was just like, <laughs> what, what the heck happened? What moron, right? <laughs> so with that said, that's how it is with theology. Meaning that if we, if this first step is off. It does now. I don't think it's a salvation killer. Meaning that I think there are well-meaning people. I was on both about sides. to ask that. Right. Okay. Well-meaning people on both sides. Okay. Who look? I, I'm open. I think God's going to surprise us. I think God's going to save some. I, I don't want to say this out loud, but I think God's going to save a whole bunch of people. Right. You so, just said it out loud. I think God's going to save some Mormons. <laughs> I think God's gonna save some Jehovah's Witnesses. I think God's going to save some Catholics. I think God's going to save some people. Right. I don't think it's just us. We don't have the corner on truth. I don't believe that. Blah blah blah. I think we're going to be surprised. Yeah, I agree. Because a simple faith, no, I simple that. faith is, is a power. Yeah, you going to get to heaven and be like, "Wait, you're here? Yeah. What? I think you're going to be like, <laughs> yeah. I think be like "Dude, they let you in? That's amazing. Especially yeah, when they see me. What? Yeah. <laughs> Mitt Rock. Mitt Rock." <laughs> <laughs> so awesome. We are so offending so many people right, so, now. right. Oh my gosh. It's so right here. No. <laughs> what do you feel, how do you feel about that, Tony? But but think about this, right? So think of this. Don't Here's what the- happens though. If we start off with this works based or this um effort based or this my choice based stuff, it's gonna affect everything. It affects everything. So right now that you just said that. Right. Very interesting that you said that we will. <laughs> we'll Very be, interesting. I'll be in heaven, and then there's this uh, Romney, Jehovah's Witness, yeah. or Mormon. Is that because 
you're saying God has already predestined who he wants. And may that be a Mormon or a Muslim. Is that what you're saying? Is that why we're going to be surprised? Not exactly. Because I I would say this, right? Like what we talked about tonight is that he predestines those to be – because Paul's statement is he predestines us to be conformed to the image of Christ. That's his statement. So it's not he just – it's not just selection, right? It's predestined – to sanctification. It's predestined to a new life. It's predestined to... To where we conform to live the life that he's asked us to live. Yes and no, right? Because, I th- yes, in some extent, yes, right? So he would say, you're conformed to the work of the Spirit, meaning that the Spirit's going to reside in you and the Spirit's going to long for the things of God, right? But at the same time, in seven, he's going to say, but you still have your old nature, and that's going to want the things of the world. Right? So how's a Mormon going to get to heaven? Look, if he totally look, believes. Look, don't get hung up on the Mormons there, okay? <laughs> no, I can't but believe we've so much of this podcast the Mormons. <laughs> so bad. Okay, so here's the deal. All I'm saying with the whole like other religions thing and other denominations thing, I'm just saying this. I think we'll be surprised because we don't know the hearts of men, yeah. right? Okay. And so if they have an honest faith and they're honestly seeking the Lord, like the fact that we believe they're in the wrong congregation – I think God was going to figure that out. That's Man. all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Now, I'm not, I don't want to give me a false hope. I'm not saying like <laughs> you shouldn't leave if you're in the wrong place. I'm not saying any of that. I'm just saying if there's on, if, if you've been called predestined and the Holy Spirit resides in you and you're honestly seeking, I, I'll leave that in the hands of God, right? It's all you, Lord. You take that and go with it. Don't get hung up on that because I could be wrong. I could be wrong on that. <laughs> probably is. <laughs> He's probably. <laughs> what I am saying, though, is the interesting part is if you believe your faith started with you, right? Yeah. We got an interesting dilemma here because what happens then is down the road, there's this, there's this continual need for you to produce. Validate it in, yes. your, in your own way. Yeah. And then you want others to validate it the way that is right for you yeah and so what happens is you got if you got like if you start out with what paul's saying is you've been elected predestined called conformed justified glorified right he's saying if it starts in god and ends in god if it starts in faith and faith is a gift and ends in faith and faith is a gift right then the work of salvation from beginning to end which is what Paul says, that the work of salvation from beginning to end is faith from beginning to end, right? From the very beginning to the very end, it was all God's. And our role in that faith is um, that he brings us to life by the quickening of the Spirit, that his Spirit brings us to life, and his Spirit longs for his things and his nature, and and we begin to become slaves to, like, his new nature, right? That's residing in us. But that all is out of his volition, not out of ours. Yeah. That's a different deal. I mean, that you start reading Romans long enough and you're like, wait a minute, I think I'm going to get this cart before the horse. I think I got this thing backwards. Do you know what I'm saying? I think the big worry for the works people are, are you saying we don't have to do anything? Which is interesting because that's what Paul keeps answering. As if like, that's the way he's teaching. Yeah, he's basically saying there's two ways to heaven. 
you know, one of them is be perfect and nobody's perfect. And then the other one is, you know, believe in Christ. Those are the only two ways to heaven. If you're perfect, you deserve to go to heaven. There's no reason why. You're perfect. But if you're not, you probably need Jesus uh, to have taken that that bullet for you. Well, we all need Jesus. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. So it's it's easy to get hung up on the on the works and I have to do this and I have to do that. It's it's like a backdoor works thing that we keep doing to ourselves. Well, because that's what people think they need to do in order to get to yeah, heaven. Which is fine. I don't have I don't you know but, but there's also the verse that says faith without works. Is dead. It's dead. It's dead. So it just it comes with us. Yeah, I think okay, so we, so, we we kind of fit that in a little yeah. bit last is, week. Is there a difference between like like can't, it, there's no separation between being saved and believing in Christ and actual discipleship because one comes after the other. First you're saved and then starts discipleship. And I feel like a lot of the readings that I did when they're talking about all these stuff is for like actual discipleship. So I guess what I'm asking is, is, is there a possibility that somebody's in their faith and their faith at that moment may be dormant or stagnant and not producing, but it's still faith. Is that possible? Well, it, I mean, I guess my answer to that, and I guess we talked about this a little bit last week, Tony, but think about it. Everybody's faith starts with no works, right? Right. So, I mean, you know, that's the beginning of it, right? Right. Like, when you, when the moment you think you chose, whether you look at it through election or you look at it through your choice, whatever, that day you weren't like, okay, well, I'm going to, I'm earning. I, I'm. I have faith in works. You think you thought? Well, I came to this realization that I need God. Um, my works aren't enough. I I throw my cares upon Him. I, rest. I, I plead the blood. I you know what I'm saying? Him. You did the whole thing. You went. To, you, you run to Him, right? And I think what James is saying. I think what everybody gets as you spend enough time in it is James is going. Yeah, but when the Spirit takes up residence in the life of the believer, the Spirit wants the things of God, right? Yeah, that's fair. And so the spirit wants to obey. It wants the new nature. I think what Paul's trying to say in Romans is the old nature still remains, though. Until you're glorified, the old nature remains. And so the new nature wants the things of God. The old nature wants the things of the world, things of the flesh. And the two are in their warring. And there are going to be days, maybe seasons, where you win battles and you lose battles. But I don't think John, or either John and or James are writing to say, well, on the days you're losing battles, you lose your salvation mm-hmm. or you're out. Right. You see what I'm saying? And I don't think Paul is writing to say, just because the old nature's there, you should just give in. Correct. Right. You see what I'm saying? I don't think either of those two views are right, right? I think what both of them are trying to say is there's this battle, and until we're glorified, that battle remains. I agree. What yeah. I, I agree with all of that. I think the danger is when we start saying that unless, you know, there is something that you're doing, that you lose your salvation. I think that's the only pro- the only part that I have a problem bridging and, and meeting is when I hear that, like, you know, that unless you're doing something that is visible, that you could lose your salvation or, or that you were not saved at all in the first place. Right. You thought about this? You thought about this whole, like... Faith, a gift, faith, a work first before t- before tonight, or is this kind of like a new discussion? This is this is hard to wrap my head around. I mean, I can wrap my head around the predestination thing as God being God and being outside of time and knowing who 
if he calls, will answer right. because he already knows. Okay. That I can kind of wrap my head around. But the, the second part of it is just, you know, there should be some room for re repentance, right? Like there should be some room, I mean, unless I'm reading wrong, but there's got to be a part of you that's going to have to say. And maybe the word that you're saying, what did you call it? Faith is a what? Work or a gift. Work or a gift. Um, or an action. I, I don't know. That's what. That's where I think. To me, faith came through surrender, which is kind of to me. It's not really an action. It's more of like inaction because it's kind of like giving up. Okay. Like give up, <laughs> give up your okay, power. Yeah. But I don't know. But that's that's the way I thought of my faith is because I had no way out. I just I just said, okay, you. You, you you take over. Okay. I I can't do this. Yeah. But that was my experience with it. Maybe that's not everybody's experience with it. And then and it didn't come with knowledge. Knowledge came way later. So that was different than yours. But but that was a decision you made, right? <laughs> to surrender. I don't know if it was a decision. Well, right. I mean, like maybe maybe divorce was a decision that that you know. But I don't know anything else after that that was, you know. Well, really think about decision. it. I think you, you, you got an interesting case because you're saying I came to Christ, or or you look back on your the beginning of your relationship with Christ at a very emotional time in your life, like where you're going through some relationally tumultuous mm -hmm. emotional times. So I think it's it's tough in the, in those scenarios, and I think you come up with a thousand other scenarios that would be subjective where you'd go, I don't know, right? I mean, it may feel like a choice, it may feel like a gift. I, I, I don't know, right? Because it would be subjective. You'd be trying to figure out the feelings of it all. Mm -hmm. I think what what the theologians are trying to say is take the feelings of it out of it for a moment. Does it start and end with God, right? Does Is he the first actor, right? Does Did you come looking for him or was he looking for you, right? And, and really your response, which you thought came out of you and out of your volition and out of your free will, now, upon further reflection, do you realize that your free will was an illusion? And only when he stepped in did you respond. Do you see what I'm saying? I think that's what the, the theologians are trying to say. They're trying to say, look, look deeper, look deeper. You know what I mean? But then people could argue and say, well, then was this really my my choice. So you're going back to the same thing. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's a circular, it's a, it's a, it's a it, black hole of disaster. Cause you go back to the same thing, which is, Hey, but that would mean it wouldn't be my choice. And the theologians would go, well, of course. So, so anyone who's, let's say a practicing Christian now, it's because we've been elected and everyone else is not. Well, the, the 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 discussion about so think this through right so normally we think and and this is where it gets a little nuanced but we would say okay well is God electing some for eternity and some for hell right that's usually the the question but really the the truth is what we see from Scripture is he's not electing some for hell the whole world is going to hell in a handbag everyone. Why is everybody looking at me? Everyone is everyone's guilty of sin. We're going to hell in a handbag, right? 
So we're not, he's not electing us to go to hell. We are going to hell. It's neutral. He's not actively doing anything. But grace is not fair. It's dependent upon the idea that it's not fair. So he stepped in where we were deserving of hell and chosen and illuminated and, and snapped us into, uh, into uh, a response. You know what I'm saying? And I think that's a different deal, a different way to approach it. I mean, how do you get around what Paul says that so we've then, chosen? So then why is there the need to go out and disciple? To, to and, evangelize. Right. Right. If, well, if we've already been chosen, we're going to, on our own, seek to find him on our own without needing anyone to come. Fair question. What do you think? Preach to me. How, why Why would anybody evangelize then if he's elected some and not others? You should want to. Okay. You should want to. Yeah. The spirit well, because, makes you want I mean, to. like, wasn't, the, have, wasn't that the whole deal with the Jewish people? Like, they knew about it, but they were not telling anybody else about it? Uh, yeah, to some extent, I would say. Well, I mean, the thing is, though, like, Paul went around, you know, all of the Roman Empire yeah. telling people. Yeah, but he didn't. He was he, predestined. But he didn't base. I mean, like, Jesus showed up. It, yeah. Just like, hey, chosen. Like, hey, you, you you're going to do what I want you to do. Right. Well, I would say this, Tony. I would say, um, because just our, just as he's predestined, right, and elected individuals, he's also predestined the plan by which we would be connected to him. And I, I look, I'm not God. I don't know how, like the, how, why this whole thing works the way it does, but obviously he's predestined and pre-chosen that the way in which the world would come to that connection with him um, through his spirit's work is through the preaching of the gospel. I agree. But I think there's people that feel like they don't have to go out and preach the word anymore because we're all predestined and we don't, we don't have to do that. Yeah, but that's crazy. Think about it. What, you, you, so you're basically saying, you're, I have the faith to believe he predestined me. I just don't have the faith to believe in the plan he predestined, that he specifically says, this is mm-hmm. my plan. Yeah. Well, I've, I've, <laughs> I've, I've met people like that think that. Well, well I mean, that, just because they... Just because you got a bunch of knuckleheads out yeah. there doesn't mean that the, <laughs> doesn't mean they're right. We shouldn't we should ignore uh, the scripture, right? You know, when I think of this, have you you know that that little cartoon trolls where they all start kind of fading and they lose their color? It's like you're I, describing I it's like, me in winter. You have too many kids, bro. Like you're you're, you're, you're I have no clue illustrations what, from anime. No clue what you're it, talking it, about. It's pretty like, good. It's like when you start preaching God's word, then all of a sudden they start to come alive. Yeah, you know that. that I, I can't like believe I actually know that movie. I have a two-year-old in the house. So <laughs> no, I, know, no. I know exactly what he's talking about. I've I have not that. a clue. It's no. crazy. It's pretty good. It's crazy. Oh. All right. So so let's talk. Okay. So the, the first question that Juan asked was the fair question. Like predestination doesn't sound fair, right? Because you got some going, some not going. But you start to realize pretty quickly grace isn't fair. Yeah. Right. You know what I'm saying? So we're doing this thing on fair. We're just, it's, 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 we're, we're having a problem from the beginning. Right. Fair is everybody goes out. And then what was your question? Your question was good. We, it was like 10, 20 minutes ago, but you asked a question. We said, let's start here and let's go to you. I can't remember. That's the, prede- the, the predestination versus the um, choice. Where's the choice? Where's the, where's oh, the, yeah, yeah. Well, the free, free will? will. The free will. will. Yeah. yeah. Right. Like I said, my wife is mad at you right now. <laughs> right. So I, I mean, I guess, I, I guess my, think, think this through for a moment, right? If, like when Paul says we're called and chosen and that God intervenes ahead, mm-hmm. think about it. If what we, we take away Paul's statements and we say, 
We're not chosen. We're not elected. We're not called. We're not predestined. Then we're in the flesh. And he says we're dead in this flesh, right. which means everybody chooses themselves and not God. So if he left us to our quote-unquote free will, which I don't believe exists, because if everybody chooses sin, that's not really free will. I mean, that's, what, that's really what everybody complains about with predestination, right? They're like, well, if, if it's predestination, we're like, we're robots. We have to choose him. Well, turn it around. Right. If we're in the flesh, we're sinners. We all choose sin. We're equally robotic. Ooh. Yeah. Do you see what I'm saying? I know. That the results are the same. It, it's a net, it's a net change. And I'll take it one step further. <laughs> Even for the Arminians who go, well, God makes grace possible for everybody. And only those who choose him in his grace, do they get saved, right? Mm-hmm. But think about it. The net result is the same. Not everybody chooses him. Yeah. Do you see what I'm saying? So like it, nothing changes. The only thing that changes is in the, with the message of election is God's sovereignty is the one invoking the decision, not us. Yeah. We have to relinquish our choice. Mm-hmm. I get that. So then going back to Noah's Ark. Well, yeah, because that, that, that's... That was like the first yeah, okay. example okay. of what it was to God right? rescuing and saving right. yeah, redeem. Okay. So what what wasn't there a choice there? Or did Noah just say, No, you guys are getting in? And that's what that. what if it's like this? Like what David said in service. Right. It's like someone presents you with two options. You have a dollar or a million dollars. You have a blue pill and a red pill. And <laughs> Really, we got to bring up the matrix, right? Now. Um, but you know, we are in a really, is there really even a choice? Like, what choice do you have? Like, when God showed up to Noah, it's like, oh, it's God. What choice do I really have? Like, it's 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 God. You know what I mean? I, I that's where I kind of get what you're saying. Yeah, the choice is. A little I totally get that. Like yeah. when God revealed Himself to me, I was like, oh, well, <laughs> what choice do I have? This is this is the truth. So I don't. All those people it's not that, that I'm choosing that. to not follow anymore, and they just chose not to. They just weren't predestined to be on that arc i mean i don't know why we get so uncomfortable i guess i do know why but i it's it i i guess it's hard to navigate why we get so uncomfortable with it right because remember everybody's sinner they're going to hell anyways if god chooses to save eight why are we why would we think who like we're like job who are we to tell god he can't save eight if all of us deserve hell how does that make God unfair or unjust or unloving or unkind? We all deserve hell. Yeah, that's our Captain Save a Ho thing in us. Like Captain Save a Ho. Yeah, we're always trying to make sure everybody's safe. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> what are you? Talking? What just happened? <laughs> what is Captain Save a Ho? I don't know where this who is going. Is Captain Save-a-ho? Yeah. What, what in, who? in the world? I, I've been called that because I was always when I had my 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 whole turmoil. That's what I was struggling with. Like that's not fair. You know, until it wasn't only until I, I realized that I was like, wow, like we all suck yeah. and none of us deserve it. But until that point, I was like, what about the Kembe? And like, he, he's not going to be saved. So. <laughs> so you're saying there's, so you're saying this idea that I've always had that God calls everyone. He's like the father waiting at the window, waiting for you to come back home. That vision in my head of he's, calling everyone fake news <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying that that 
That is false. He's calling just some people. And then there's there's some people that, you, you know, you, you don't have to, you know, give them room for repentance or anything. That's, it's not going to happen. It, it might happen. It might not happen. No, I, I think it's different, right? Like I would take it one step further. If he doesn't step in, no one chooses him. See, we're so hung up on the idea that we can choose and that we're somewhat redeemable or somewhat good. Like there's these people out there that are just good and they're going to go to hell. That's so sad. But the truth is what the Bible is actually saying is we're all going to hell because we deserve it. Yeah. Even your good deeds are like filthy rags. Yeah. Well, we get that. So there's no one going to hell that didn't deserve it. Everyone deserves it, right? Mm -hmm. Everyone's on their way. And so then the question is, okay, in the salvation process for anyone, does it begin in our work or his? That's the only question. It's in his. But he, he also created us in his image, right? Yeah. So there has to be a part of us that still seeks him. What do you mean? Oh, like uh, because he created us in his image, and it not it's not a physical image, right? What does that mean? Like, so, so you created saying, us in his image? Okay, so he created us in his image. Yeah, I, you mean just the, just the, the image, like the image idea? Right. Like what does that mean? Right. Well, I mean, he that we have some of his attributes, right? But think about this, right? So this is really talking about him as the author of creation, right? So everybody agrees, all theologians agree that he created Adam with free will. Right. Everybody agrees with that. But then Paul writes in Romans chapter 5 and says, but what happened after that is that sin entered the world and infected everything. And now no one's born into free will. They're all born into bondage. They're slaves. Oh. They're dead in their sin. Do you see what I'm saying? And so the only one that was free was Adam, and he screwed it up. He was our federal head. He's the, he's the guy that represented all of us in the garden, and he screwed it up. Right, and so now everybody born after Adam is born into bondage. Right, until he died on the cross and shed his blood, so we could all be saved. Right. Well, I mean, that look, I'm not going to deny it. We can come back and talk about that in more detail. If if you hold to that, then that means a couple of things, right? That means what Jesus did was die for sin in general, not for your sin, not for my sin, but for sin. And that the way that we are saved is through our choice to receive the grace over all sin. Do you see what I'm saying? And so he's saying, hey, he died for the whole world, all the sins of the world, just some people will choose it, right? But it's not the personal sin. Because think about it. If he dies for your sin and my sin, then it's gone. It's already been judged. Do you see what I'm saying? Right. If he's died for my sin, Mike DeLong's sin, then it's judged and I cannot be judged for it. Are you with me? But if he's died for the idea of sin, right, and only when I choose him is it applied, then salvation begins in me and my choice. Oh. Yeah. This is a little too deep. <laughs> it's deep. Do you see what I'm saying? So the yeah. difference is, and that's and that's what we were talking about tonight, was that when you start to read about things like mortification and the killing off of the flesh and the works of the obedience and all this kind of stuff, mm -hmm. 
it only makes sense when you get to the end of the chapter and you realize, oh, but he's told us that that all happens because, not out of our own abilities, but out of the spirit who is present in us who are elected, who have been chosen, who have received the forgiveness of God, right? That's come through his choice, not through ours. Mm. The second we reverse it, you put the cart before the horse, then all of a sudden it's like, it changes everything, right? So now, if it's my choice that launches the salvation, then when we get to all the passages about works and obedience, and on, it's you have to do it in order to keep it. You yeah. see what I'm saying? Completely reverses the order. Yeah, I think that's the part that I always have a hard time uh, rationalizing, which is like, nobody gives you, it's like me giving you a car, and then be like, hey, here's this gift. Now you got to give me $50,000. Or you got to like, for the rest of your life, now you got to do this for, for you to like, you know, I, to keep it or whatever. It doesn't, it's not a gift then. And that's the part where I always, like, I understand, like, I, I don't know. It's, it's like Mary Kay. Yeah. yeah. They're going to give you a car, but if you don't perform you gotta the take next it away. three quarters, you, you, they will take it away. They will take it away. It's so not that's, really a gift because I, they, you really have to work yeah. that Yeah. That, that, that's the hard the part. Like, I understand, like. <laughs> made so many people mad. Like, when I read James. <laughs> you you might like upset that. some more people right there. Mm-hmm. So like, when I read. Christianity is a pyramid scheme. I know. <laughs> Wait, they really Sorry. take a car? Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. I just know too many people in America. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the part that I have a, a hard time, you know, rationalizing. It's like, okay, it's a gift. Right. You know, nothing has to do with us. He elected us. I'm good with all that. But the point the when when they start saying that in order to like keep it or like to actually show that you're doing it, like there's works involved, that still goes back to us doing something to show or prove. And that's the part that I don't understand. Yeah. Because at the end, because that's what Paul's saying, right? At the end of the day, you, your flesh is still going to choose the brokenness, right? Which means there's no hope. That's why he says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ, right? Right? Because Christ has paid for your sin, right? And it can't be judged. So, so what about that verse when he says, "I knock at the door of your heart"? Isn't there a decision there to open that door? Yeah, but he also hardens the heart of men too. Yeah, so but men. yeah, but but it's an important point, right? That that's written to a church, right? That that passage comes out of Revelation chapter three, written to a church. That he's saying, he's not saying to an individual; he's saying to the collective whole, right? He's saying to the community of faith, "Let me in," right? You've left. He's saying you've left your lampstand, you've left your first love, you've left this all behind. By the way, I'm I'm outside the church knocking. Right? And you're in worshiping. I don't know who you're worshiping. I'm not in there. Right? And so there's this kind of grander context to it. But I, I think I think there's this attempt, right, to kind of revert back to all the time, hey, it just seems like it's not right or good or fair or whatever that we're not making the choice. I think it's very difficult to leave behind the idea of personal I, choice. I get that. I think I get, I understand that now. Um, well, you're saying that it, if we start off thinking that it was our choice by giving ourselves credit for it, then we keep going in that direction and then everything else goes wrong after that. Then you start believing that it was your works. It was, mm-hmm. oh, I, I chose, I was smart enough to choose God, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, From then like, on, I go, oh, yeah, by the way, see how good I do? I do really well exactly. with following him. I do really well. And you just keep Look at me. doing that, you know, mm-hmm. that you, really like human thing of, of like, oh, yeah. 
I gave myself so much credit today. I get that. <laughs> yeah, I get that. You get that. a star. That's very human. That's very egotistical. I can, I can see that. Yeah, we don't like the idea of being under a a lord, like a master, like the dominion, right? We don't like the idea of of not freely choosing to be under. So we're Americans. America. That's, we're sort America, of. man. Think about it. Everything <laughs> everything in about everything about our life is the idea that we we live in freedom and we choose freely and we get to decide what we want and pick our destiny and blah 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 blah. That's but most of the world lives under tyranny and lives under like a regime. They live under like they don't wake up and go, I'm free and I just <laughs> they, they they have accepted the idea that they live under the rule of someone. We are the ones that delusionally create this idea that we're truly free. Yeah. Right. But the truth is you don't have to dig deep to realize, oh, we're, we're not really that free. Yeah. We're all kind of choosing the same thing over and over, going back to the same stuff. We and, eat Thai pot. Yeah. And, left, our freedom. And, and without God's device, without God's entering in, we're going to choose hell. We're going to choose selfishness. We're going to choose flesh. We're going to choose sin. We're going to choose brokenness. Without God's intervention, we choose brokenness every time. You know what I mean? And so, mm, absolutely. So, could you live your whole life, and then at that last day, right before death is at the door, and you say, "Yeah, I believe." <laughs> I surrender. If God decided to call you at that moment, yeah. Why? Why do you put in limits to God? Well, I mean, there's actual story in the Bible about that, like the whole thing with Jesus and the workers. I mean, it's that's kind of, the, yeah, the parable. Yeah, that's kind of interesting that you bring it up because there's a whole story about that, right? Where, I was thinking of bringing it up. But I was like, does that? Is that? <laughs> yeah, go? I think so, right? I mean, Jesus, he brings some workers in at six in the morning, some workers in at noon, some workers in at three, some workers in at five, some workers in at six, and they knock off at six thirty. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and he pays them all the same. Yeah. And the guys started at six in the morning, like, what the heck? Are you kidding me right now? This isn't, and what do they say? This, this isn't fair. fair. Yeah. This isn't fair. And God's like, and, you know, Jesus is like, who told you life was fair? Yeah. Who told you grace was fair? Who told you that me saving some and not others was fair? I think it's beautiful, the That's paradox true. that we do, right? So on one, on one hand, we're always saying God is almighty. He can do this. He could do all these things. But we don't leave him the room to... For, for certain things, like, well, well, God, did, yeah, you don't know. God can do whatever he decides to do. And we're nobody to really question it. Yeah, that's, I, I used to think that if you were predestined, you were already chosen, you were the elect, it didn't matter what you did with your life because I was, you know, I'm chosen. So I could live however you want. But it's, that's not it. No. You're, you're, you have, there's a transformation that goes on. He specifically, I, I think his phrase is important. You are predestined to be conformed mm -hmm. to the image of Christ. And that's the key word. Yeah. Conformed. And so I think Paul has in mind the long run, meaning that the the conformity to Christ will be complete in glorification, yeah. meaning that not in this life, but in the next. Yeah. But I think he has in mind the here and now, meaning that we're at war right now because the spirit wants the things of God and the old nature wants the things of brokenness and they're in competition. Yeah. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. And so I think that starts now and ends in glorification. Mm -hmm. And that's what, that's what he means by he starts and he finishes. Yes. Right? All right, let's leave it there for tonight. Cause we've got, we, we're only at the tip of the iceberg. Oh boy. 
right? So next week, I mean, well, two weeks from now, we'll get into like chapter nine. And then he starts talking about like, he actually gets real specific. He says, you know, I hated this dude. I loved this dude before they were born and all this crazy stuff. And it's going to be like, oh Lord, have mercy. What is happening right now? Your wife's going to like, Blow her mind. Like, she's gonna be so mad. Yeah, She'll be like, that little ginger will be so red faced. Yeah, I can't so, wait. You have no idea. Like, she's rich. She's like, what is happening right now? Like, just yeah. we'll talk later. It'll yeah. be fine. So good. All right. Love All you. Right. Mean it. Peace. Peace. Peace.